Hey sinners, it's Adam Knox, and welcome to another episode of The Cult of You. In today's episode, it's me. I'm changing the formula around a little bit, and we're going to try a bit of a different strategy and see how it works for us. So please do give me comments and see if you like it um, or some alternatives on what you'd rather have me kind of bring. And if you're watching this for the first time, hit the subscribe button wherever it is, probably down there somewhere. And um, make sure you hit the notifications. I bring out an episode every Wednesday, so make sure you, you, you subscribe. Today, um, I'm going to be discussing some really interesting ideas, but just so you understand my formula, first Wednesday of the month will be our astrology forecast for the month. Myself and Bill Duvendak will be covering what's going to happen in the planetary and the planetary systems, the impacts that has on us. And we'll break down all those ideas, but we'll also look at it from a psychological and personal growth point. What do these factors mean inside of ourselves? And how do we deal with it? Your second session every month will be with me, some, you know, little wisdom from Mr. Knox himself. And then the one after that will definitely be a delicious interview with one of my favorite friends or one of these brilliant minds inside of our community that I hope to bring with your concepts. So please do write me and let me know your ideas. And then the final Wednesday of the month, depending on the length of the month, will be a surprise. It'll be something different. So I can't tell, it might be an interview, it might be me, it might be something else. So you'll have to wait and find out and tune in. Okay, so, but today we're talking about the eye of Odin, the sacrifice specifically of the eye. We're also gonna look at its correlation with the full journey of the ultimate sacrifice in the nine nights and the nine days. Uh, as Odin sacrifices himself to, unto himself, we're going to look at the correspondence between Shiva, and we're also going to be looking at what this actually means as a method to liberate your own soul and the process of personal soul retrieval. I'm Adam Knox, and remember to live deliciously. There's many mythologies and many historical stories that I think captures a lot of our attention, especially for those of us in the mystical and magical paths. And very few of them is as enduring and is as mixed with controversy as that of Odin. Odin, the old father, uh, is one of these essential archetypes. The famous psychologist Carl Jung was a famed supporter of a lot of the Nordic ideas himself having Germanic descent. In fact, many believe that he went quite a long way to impress these ideas inside of his work. His philosophy, along with a couple of other modern interpretations, allows us to see the nature of the Odinic consciousness. And it's very interesting how 
a lot of its prefabricated ideas or early levels of manifestation were oftentimes misassociated to things like Nazism and racism and all of these things. And in light of recent events in the White House uh, during the American election, even more plagiarized where many, I think, true occultists were deeply offended by the people that broke the law in many ways, sporting, you know, the Wagner, sporting Nordic ideas, which didn't really represent the philosophy and possibly not even truly understood the culture. In fact, myself and many other practitioners of the magical path felt that it was a, a setback and an insult in many ways to see these people blatantly point out symbols and wear them in protests in ways that they do not understand their origin and meaning. In fact, many people will look at the mystical path, magical path, and make very quick assumptions due to their propaganda, due to their lack of information more than their true search. This is why people like yourself, I think, are in the 10%. You are the rare few free thinkers that is obsessed with finding the real information and getting the real solutions. So let's dive into a little bit of that. Now, there are many ways to interpret aspects of the myth of Odin. And there are many lessons that we can glean from the journey. First thing that I love the most is that it wasn't the most regular. There's no point in these ancient parts where the gods are being made out to be holier than thou. They may have more powers or more abilities or more knowledge or more immortality, but they're still human in many kind of ways. They're amongst us. They are like us in certain ways. And I think it is because of our personal relationships and the metaphors that we can take from many of these stories and many of these ideas. The Nordic Witch herself shares in her YouTube channel um, a story about how Odin himself has to suffer and how he speaks in the Havamal about the suffering of the, the greatest sickness is the one where we lose the will to live. And I think this is such a powerful idea and such a core concept because it is one of the biggest struggles, not just for occultists, um, but for many. For occultists, it may be more common because one finds oneself at the edge of the intellectual palate. You are not simply, as a true occultist, feasting on superstition and mythology and ancient rites and hidden secrets, but you are at the cusp of exploring science and technology, and you're yet able to hold contradicting ideas inside of your mind without feeling obliged to choose one or the other without further investigation and experimentation, but understanding the place and the possibility of both. Your capacity to do that can sometimes dull you to the experiences of life. In fact, it's one of the classic Faustian ideas how there's these many interpretations of the story of Faust. And one of its more rooted ideas was not uh, that the devil was tempting the soul of Dr. Faustus, but instead that Faustus made the agreement, the idea, very much like D in certain ways, to say, if you could give me something of true awe, true beauty, then I will go gladly with you. And it is this sense of awe, the sense of beauty that we find ourselves longing for. And I find that this is such an essential thing when we look at however our soul gets broken, our life, our journey gets broken, because this happens to each and every one of us. We come into the world smiling or screaming children, but we're very soon enchanted by the beauty of life and the possibility and the wonder. We're caught up in the beauty because we're so enriched with our own soul before it gets tainted, before parts of it get broken. That first time your parents scolded you and you didn't really do anything wrong, but they were in a bad mood and you were too 
young to understand what to do with this and they maybe didn't have enough emotional and psychological resources in order to help you with that to that first breakup you know that in embarrassing moment at school that you know being rejected whatever it was and whatever you did as a result of these things slowly and systemically fractured your beauty and we find our beauty then lost in other people and in memories and in projections of the future because we're either looking at the past because of where we felt beautiful and longing to have our beauty back, thinking it's that person, that place, that time, thing, or event, or we're projected that we've gotten so much shame attached to us that we're projecting in the future someday when or when if, whatever, then, then I'll have. And many people understand this intellectually, but still do this emotionally. Many of us, no matter how long you've been on the path, it's very easy to succumb to this. And you're a fool if you think that you're immune to it. I love the work of Robert Greene in the area of our nature, where he speaks and identifies that these laws of human nature is not something that you're immune to. Understanding it doesn't make you immune to it sometimes. You know, knowledge is not in and of itself a cure. Knowledge is in and of itself a guide to the probability of a cure, but is only through walking the way, like Odin going on the quest of knowledge, going on the search that one makes it. But there's this beautiful component of the journey of Odin and there are many essential components, I think, that we can glean from that. And to really go into it will take volumes and lectures and details. And by the way, there is, selfless plug, uh, an entire module dedicated to it in the, in the cult of you. But, you know, that aside, there are two key points inside of the journey that I would like us to focus on today. It is the sacrifice of the eye of Odin, because that's the first part, right? He has to sacrifice his eye for the attainment of knowledge. And then further down the road, he sacrifices himself to himself for the knowledge of the runes. I think there's so much beauty here. There's so much deep, profound meaning that is often overlooked when we look at these simple points of the mythology. Let's first start with the most basic of this understanding. And, or the biggest event inside of this, which is a culmination to the ideas, but I think it'll help us illustrate the initial points a little bit better. Odin sacrifices himself on the life tree, Yggdrasil, for nine days and nine nights. Nine, according to the sciences of numbers, allows us to recognize the number of man. Now, firstly, we see nine cropping up in every single aspect of the path. The secret name of God, the Shema Mephoras, is 72 letters and 72 names. Seven plus two is nine. The Goisha, the counter, if you will, to the um, Shema Mephoras, is also obviously 72, also again equating to nine. Even the beast, the, uh, the beast itself, 666, again boils down to nine. Nine is the number of man. Nine is oftentimes attributed to, in the tree of life and upon our bodies, to Yesod, the Sephiroth of Yesod, or its counter, Gamalil. It's interesting that we find attributed to this position inside of the tree, uh, inside of the, tree the 
gateway into the astral, the gateway into the unconscious, the cave of Lilith, the cave of the subconscious mind, the doorway of our sexuality. And it's because at the root of our identity sits our sexual identity. Now, one can very easily confuse the notion when an occultist or a magician would say that all things are sexual. Even Freud himself postulated the idea that everything was driven by this sexual impulse. And Crowley himself identifies the concept as when men, man realized that God is sex and sex is God, that liberation begins. It is in that recognition that he's speaking of here as the Tetragrammaton, the holy four-lettered name of God, the these four ideas that represent the four elemental dimensions of ourselves, the four sheaths of the body, the four archetypes of the sovereign magician, warrior, lover, the four attachment styles, all these aspects of our nature, which is the result of our relationship with signals of pleasure or love and signals of pain or fear. Our yin-yang of influence, the duality by which we find ourselves subjugated to reality. It is this duality that creates the attachment biochemically inside of our body that produces the hallucination of me. My sense of self is the result of my attachment. It is what I avoid, what I'm trying to disassociate from or move away from is the NLP term. And what I want to move towards is the NLP term, or as Tony Robbins says, the pain and the pleasure, or as the you know Bible says, the heaven and the hell, the yin and the yang, these dualities that are consistently affecting our drive. And one of the core ideas in the occult principles and the spiritual traditions is the resolution of duality. Deepak Chopra talks about in these seven spiritual laws of love that the first law is to be natural and to be natural which is the key behind traction is to accept one's duality to not try and make amends for your imperfections but to embrace them to see their beauty and to allow that and even if you decide to work on it to improve it you still don't do it because you're rejecting it you're still not separating yourself further from self and causing further incongruences in fact you are reaching a deeper state of congruence and i think this is so pertinent because we see the sacrifice of odin on the tree of life, and the tree of life can be very much seen as the structure, the blueprint upon which identity is created. He sacrifices himself unto himself as a way of saying, I am sacrificing my current persona, my current hallucinated model of self that's come as a result of this duality, as a result of what I'm attached to through pain and through pleasure, you know, in order to myself, to sacrifice it to myself as, as Christ would give it unto his father, as, you know, so many others, you know, again, would have to go through this journey. Jesus sacrifices himself or is sacrificed and dies before he is resurrected in, in, in the right hand myth. In essence, both archetypes descend beneath the persona, beneath the ego mind, beneath the false self to reach its roots, the origin stories of these components in order to dismantle and change from that science. This is so powerful, I think, as a core idea, and it's echoed again in the work of Joe Dispenza. Joe Dispenza's work has a very nice catchphrase to it. He says, personality creates personal reality. And I think it brings these mythical ideas back down to something practical. And that's the core concept here. It is when we 
recognize the roots of the personality. And this is more than just, oh, your behavior changes. This is literally your brain changes, your neurological structure in your brain changes, meaning you access different things from the inner mind, you access different things from the universe or from God or from whatever you want to call it. And you start to unlock more of this as Odin himself then through this process of sacrifice descends down the tree and comes up with the knowledge of the runes, the 24 runes. This is great. This is so powerful because I think it taps back into what we spoke about previously in the doctrine of death. You see, in the doctrine of death, we identified that Kali is in and of herself time. And we spoke about how necessary it is when these infinite concepts of consciousness, these deep dreams of our world and our life needs to be brought down into doable, actionable steps. We need to recognize the value of time and not be wasting it as Napoleon's Hill in um, Outwitting the Devil points out that, you know, the devil in that mythology is us losing presence, our skiing, being caught up in the daydream and not actioning. Where are you not actioning? What are the components of the persona, of the personality that's preventing you from developing the true will and executing on the vision that you've been receiving through your rituals and your meditations and your prayers and your spiritual work. Because this is the idea that a lot of people don't get of magic. It's when we go into the ceremony, you go into the sacred work, it's not boom, suddenly everything's done for you. No, not maybe, but most of the times, no. It is often a case that a great inspiration or a great idea comes. But then you have to go and you have to go work and evolve yourself, transmute self, die to the current self. You need to sacrifice yourself unto yourself in order to do the work, to cultivate the true world, to bring, to ground this grand vision into reality through action. Now, there's a, there's a great phrase in the, in the Afrikaans tradition where the concept of even Christ was referred to as the Dardesian, the son of action. And this notion is great because it's this concept that the divine is only grounded through action. And if you're not taking action, that you're not getting the result. In fact, that's part of the beauty. There's this philosophy of the law of attraction that says, oh, I need to feel good and feel if it doesn't feel good, don't do it. Look, you're never going to feel good about getting out of bed at 5 a.m. You know, it's just not going to happen. You know, you're not going to feel good when you're sitting and relaxing and it's time to go to the gym but when you're doing it oh then you feel good that comes afterwards so if we're going to be judging ourselves based upon our feel goods we're going to lose the game completely that's not what is meant what is meant is when it's ground in your identity it's ground in who you are because it's who i am i will get up and i will do that 5 a 5 30 meditation every single day no matter what happens no matter how tired i am because i'm cultivating my will my strength my power now here is though the big question and this is the next part and that's why i stemmed earlier and i said you know we're going to look back to the other part about the sacrifice of the eye it is oftentimes depicted to the eyes that one is almost looking in the future and one is looking to the past it's the uh, concept of Juno, of Yunos, which one face looks to the past, one to the uh, to the future, and one to the present. These three points, but it's very common that we experience these two, and then we see the depiction of the centaur with a singular eye. We see the eye of Shiva, the singular eye of destruction. We see the mind's eye. All these depictions, all these ideas, come back to highlight to us a very fundamental concept. Why don't you want to get out of bed that morning? You know, why, 
Why are you staying in longer than you should? You see, before we can get to that state of sacrificing ourselves for ourselves, we need to begin with these systematic portions of the journey, you know, that Odin takes us through and these lessons that are embedded inside of it. He sacrifices the eye for knowledge, for, for gnosis. Every problem in spirituality can oftentimes be traced back. Maybe not everyone. A lot of problems in our spirituality can be traced back by the fact that we live in our past. And how do you live in your past? A great example of this is in the tree of life. And in the tree of life, when we raise up the tree of life, we come to Tiferet. And in Tiferet, there's many translations or ideas and concepts attributed to this. And my favorite is the attribution of beauty and the attribution of imagination. Tiferet is the beauty because Tiferet represents very much the higher self in that sense, or at least in the, or at least the solar self, if we will. And by representing the solar self, we find this the part of ourself that gets fragmented. Now, remember, we started off this journey and we talked about, you know, how mommy and daddy did something wrong and it started fragmenting. You know, a relationship broke, it started fragmenting. This is our own klipoth. This is the light that comes in and the current sephiroth isn't strong enough to handle it, so it shatters. And the klipath is created. But the klipath, even it has the friction and everything inside of it, and its root is still in its suit. In other words, that initial light is still inside there. Our job is to go in and to retrieve it, not wallow in it. You know, not I'm a black magician. No, it's go into it, transmute the darkness, unlock its power, unlock its light, and then reintegrate the portion, finish the journey. It's a journey. It's not just a get stuck in one spot. The lesson is so beautifully put in the sacrifice of the eye. You see, because when, the, when one eye is sacrificed and we have left with only one eye, we need to look at what's right in front of us. We can't be daydreaming off into the future, or off into the past. We are forced almost to become completely present. When there's this phrase that says, that, or this, this idea that when certain senses are lost, for example, if your sight is lost, suddenly your hearing improves because you're, you're wasting less time in that energy. I want you to think of that eye as you looking to your past. And I want you to think about where in your past or even where in your future is your beauty. Now, I'm not saying that you, you stop seeing, you know, uh, stop having great memories. And I'm not saying you stop having great goals. I am saying, though, that you start recognizing that based upon the principles of vibration, unless you're going to start resonating with the thing you seek, you are not going to find it. And this is at least a philosophy we can all agree on at some level or another. Whether you're saying that it's true from a quantum mechanical point of view, it's true from a spiritual point of view, or it's simply true from a behavioral science point of view. If you're going to act like an asshole, you're not going to find love, or you're, at least you're not going to attract the right kind of people in your life. If you're going to vibrate and behave in an empowering way, you're going to attract the right people. If we give up our eye, it means that we give up looking to the past for our beauty, looking to the future for our beauty. And this is very important in terms of spirituality as well, because how many of us do that? When I get that initiation or I get that degree or I get that, then I'll have, then I'll be. When I get that goal, then I'll be, then I'll have. 
It's the same as putting your power inside of other people and go like, if they act a certain way, then I'll feel a certain thing. Feeling lost and spiraling down a, a rabbit hole where you're always going to be in reaction and never really in response. In other words, never really inside your own self never really accessing your own godhood and able to unlock its wisdom, its knowledge, its gnosis for that moment because you have lost, as Eckhart Tolle says, presence. You are outside of the presence. That was his definition of the spiritual eternal now. But how do we do that? How do we sacrifice? Because it's an elusive obvious. You don't even know that you're sometimes doing it. If you've gone through a breakup recently, and or at any point and you still find yourself thinking back about the ex that's not because the ex was so wonderful you know if the ex was so wonderful they would still be in your life if the company if it was a company or a job if that was still so wonderful it would still be in your life if it was a position maybe it was your health maybe it was your fitness maybe it was something else if that was still so wonderful if that was truly your destiny truly your beauty it would still be here the reason you miss it is because your beauty, which is you, which is your Tiferet, which is your soul, is stuck in there. You have infused it. And this is a process of anchoring. You see, we anchor neurologically. This is how we build up this identity, this version of ourselves in our head. We simply go, we're in a peak emotional state. And whatever happens around us at that point that is unique, we link up as the same thing. Now, when you're in a relationship or in a business and you're in peak emotional states, when you're in your beauty, that person is around, that place is around, those people are around, they link up, your brain merges the two. So when that's gone, you feel like a part of you is gone because it is. You have left your beauty inside of that. You need to give up that eye. You need to give up because that's what, what does the eye do? The eye seeks beauty. It looks for beauty. In other words, it looks for yourself because you are the source of your beauty. You are the source of that which you seek in life. Your partner isn't the beauty. You may make them beautiful, but it's they're beautiful because of you, because of the eyes through which you see them. If you were tainted and too damaged, you wouldn't see that beauty and you would never experience it. How many people would you die to be with, but there's someone that treats them like crap that doesn't see their value? That's because that person's not putting their beauty in them. Same thing with futures. What futures are just so amazing to you that, you know, other people would scoff at? And what is something you'd scoff at that other people would kill for? We all have countless examples of this. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder. But it's about learning to understand where we have gotten misattached. Where we are trying to move forward, but we're looking back without realizing it. And sacrificing the eye. When we sacrifice the eye, we recognize part of the teachings and the idea of the eye of Shiva. And in the eye of Shiva, we recognize that through the eye of Shiva, all of time and space is destroyed. Why time and space? Because attachment is when we have anchored against an event or a person or a place or a time or a thing that is inside that is measured inside of time and space. This is literally because it's how the neocortex functions. Joe Dispenza's work goes in depth around this idea. So, you know, if you're not joining the cult now, then please at least pick up one of his books and have a look at the breaking, undoing the habit of being yourself. A very well-recommended piece of reading to help you deepen the, your understanding about the subject even further. Now, what I want to leave you with is a little bit of a map, a little bit of a what now? 
you understand now that, you know, the mystery of Odin is the secret teaching about sacrificing ourselves, that the limit of our access to our knowledge, our mastery over time and our ability to do our will is very much our attachments, our old self, our limited self. And you understand now that the biggest cause of that, the biggest struggle of that is because we're constantly looking at the past. And we're constantly looking to the future for our beauty. If your beauty is stuck in the past or stuck in the future. Now, I recommend doing soul travel or soul retrieval work in order to really unlock that. And in fact, very soon, I'm going to be releasing a talk with a really good friend of mine, an amazing, amazing man and sorcerer. Um, I'm going to give you a hint. His name is Enoch. He's written a book, um, The Black Witch. Him and I speak quite in depth about the subject of soul retrieval and mental health in the occult world. And I really recommend you, you listen to that if you're serious about your path. And we discuss these values, but one of the core ideas and one of the core concepts that comes through in that talk as well as where you'll realize and where you recognize, and I want to kind of impart this one to you now though, is that the only reason the past or the, or the future is so beautiful is because of your projection inside of it. Because you accessed in a moment your beauty, a state of beauty within you, which we can call your soul. And you linked it through repetition to that past or that future, that person, that place, that time, that thing or event. And I'm not telling you to let go and give that up. But I am telling you that you will suffer as long and you'll be stuck. This is why you're not taking action. This is why you're not following through because you're look, you're, you've got mixed emotions, mixed meanings of what it'll mean. If you know that the action that you need to take will lead you to true beauty and is your true beauty, this is purity. This is the fundamental principle of occult purity. Occult purity doesn't mean that you stop drinking and stop having sex. Heck, we're not that path. It means that you have unlocked the singular eye. You have a single purpose, a single beauty. So you see where you've been. You see, you look back at your life and your past and you see the beauty of the people that have been in it and the moments that you've had, but you recognize that that beauty was you. You look at the future and where you're going, what you're going to create and the journeys that you're going to take, but you realize you are that beauty that you're after. And then you begin to believe in your own beauty and you begin to truly see yourself as beautiful. How many people suffer from this? Magician or muggle? You know, how many women, how many men suffer that they don't want to go into places and people because they don't think that they're enough. They don't want to take on those challenges and those dreams because they don't think that they're enough to do it. You know, they don't have enough resources. They don't have enough time. They don't have enough most psychological problems that lead to mental imbalances, issues with mental health that lead to physical illnesses oftentimes as well, is the result of us thinking we are fundamentally not enough, not good enough, not pretty enough, not whatever the enough is. And this is because what we have done is we have placed our fundamental beauty outside of our own house. And we are trained in society to go begging for it. You know, you have to earn a living. You have to prove your worth. I'm not saying that you shouldn't earn. I'm not saying that you shouldn't push and prove. But I am saying that 
if you love your body and you enjoy seeing it grow, you have emotional fuel. If you look at your body as, you know, a failure, if you look at yourself as a failure, you're losing emotional fuel. There's a fundamental attitude difference here. In the one, you're not good enough and you're purely driven by pain. And that may really motivate you at first. And it's good to use that to keep yourself going to the next level. But it's one that ultimately drains you. If, on the other hand, you see yourself as resourceful, you see yourself as beautiful, you see yourself as good enough, as capable, suddenly you have the fuel, the energy in order to do it. When you face your challenges and you go, oh, I'm never going to be able to do this, I don't have that, and you look at other people like they're the beauty, in other words, they're better, they're more capable, they've got everything sorted out. All you're doing is you're focusing, not on them, you're focusing on your own lack of it. You're focusing on your ugly and not on your beauty. I want you to listen to me very carefully. In fact, I don't want you to listen to me at all. I want you to listen to your heart. Because it's not wrong even though it might have led you in times, in journeys that have ended up in heartache and in pain, it's not a bad heart. You don't have to hide it anymore. The parts where you had faith, where you had secret dreams and secret hopes and it failed and you got old or you made mistakes. No, you don't go and walk into a gym and go work your biceps or your abs, or your back, or your muscles, or whatever. And then the next day, they're sore as heck and go, woof. Clearly, that is law of attraction telling me I should never go back to the gym. You understand that that hurt, that pain, is a sign of growth. So when you extract your beauty from the environment and from people, places, times, and things, and you claim it back, when you start retrieving your soul, there's going to be hurt. That doesn't mean your heart was wrong. It means it had to go through those breaks in order to become strong. You had to go through your own klipa, your own tree of death, and you will still go through it many, many times as long as you are alive on this planet because that is how you grow. That is how you expand to become a more powerful being. And the more greater your vision is, the more you're going to have to overcome not because that's the problem, that's what it costs in order to strengthen steel to become a sword. That is what it takes to become the Magi. That is what it takes. And you wouldn't have been on that path if you weren't capable of it. But the reason you don't see your capacity is because you're looking with the other eye that needs to be sacrificed for the Gnosis. You need to stop looking at your past, longing for the future. You need to stop wishing for how good things were or wishing you could get to something better and away from the pain you're experiencing now. Stop doing that. Take back that part of you, retrieve your soul, bring it back into this moment, become present again, find out what's distracting you, give that up, sacrifice that to the All Father, sacrifice that in your ritual, sacrifice your lie until you realize the truth that you, you're the beauty that this world needs. 
show up. Show up completely. And let us see you. But we can only do that when you see you. Because we want to hear your story. I'm Adam Knox. And remember, live deliciously. Hey family, it's Adam Knox here. Thanks for supporting this podcast and you know these ideas. I really appreciate free thinkers, you know, like yourselves that are willing to challenge conventional norms and think for themselves and take on new challenges and look at new ideas. And as such, I want to say that if you haven't yet, if you are looking at ways to improve your knowledge over the entire field and you're looking at a you know regular feed of ideas and concepts to keep improving yourself I'd like to invite you to sign up at the cult of you all my teachings and all my ideas are there for only $19 a month and every month I bring you a completely new section of some of the most cutting ideas and I'm constantly adding to that. So I'm constantly reviewing and adding more knowledge as I gain them. And you'll see a lot of the interviews and a lot of things that I do extend on some of the subjects that I cover inside of those areas. I do take quite a bit of effort to make sure that the filming is also quite good and to give you not just a demonstration of rituals, but also talk you through the psychology behind them so that you're empowered to do them. And I cover every subject under the sun from science to art to magic to all the different systems out there from the golden dawn to the western of the western traditions to the left hand path traditions we discuss technology and technomancy we discuss sex magic and seduction we discuss so much more from purely the mental aspects to how do you deal with the darkness when it comes up as well as how do you take those things into business and into your romantic life as well as what are the keys to make your magic work as well as to unlock different degrees of spirituality so if you haven't yet please consider signing up at the cult of you and you'll be able to send me a mail and message there and i'll be there to help you you personally through mail correspondence and chat you and guide you through the entire process and if you make it through the first year of the entire cycle and you graduate the second year of the program you're able to have direct sessions with myself and some of the members of my temple and i look forward to helping you whether you go that route or not please keep enjoying these podcasts please share them with people that you think they are they're going to find value in them like and subscribe to the show and please send me your messages to info at the cult of you i would love to hear what are things that are important to you what are th- ideas and concepts that this raised maybe this inspired you maybe this 
you know, made sense to you. Maybe this opened up something. I'd love to hear that. Please talk to me and please share with me. Write in the comments and give me your ideas and concepts. If you're watching this on the YouTube channel, if you're not, if you're only watching this on the YouTube channel, please head on over to Spotify and do subscribe. And if you're listening to this on Spotify, go check us out on YouTube. But please share this, share these ideas and these concepts and let's let's have a conversation i'd love to hear from you that's it for me i'm adam knox this is the cult of you and remember live deliciously <laughs>